Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of The Advice You Didn't Take with your girl Remy Ray and I have the amazing Claire Clotty with me today. Um, I want Claire to introduce herself because she's a woman of multiple talents and we've kind of known each other for quite some years now, isn't it? Yeah, we have indeed. It's, it's, it's been a pleasure actually. We've had one of those long distance relationships. relationships. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the yeah. growth has been real. So tell us a little bit about what you do, Claire. Okay, you know, I, I always find that question um, quite difficult because I do so many things. Yes. So I, I try and make it succinct by saying I'm a community development consultant yes. as well as a freelance broadcast journalist. And so that includes print journalism, radio, digital media, and my other full-time job um, is as a mother. Yes, you are a mum. I see your Insta-snap stories where you're just, you were like, on one side of the road we have this, and on the other yeah. side of the road we have that. Yes, <laughs> a full school run. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, I say I'm a full-time mum, um, I co-parent so my um, daughter's dad has her part of the week and I have her um, the other part of the week so that is a complexity in itself I can imagine (laughs) but even when she's not here um, I'm like right gotta get the food in gotta get the uniform iron gotta make sure I've got time for her when she gets home so yeah full-time mother child always on the brain (laughs) you know what you're like the second mum that I've spoken to um that has that kind of setup and I just wonder how that feels because you have the intensity of having a child around and then you don't and then you do and then you don't and it's like having to balance your work your career development um you know your baby all at once that must be crazy it is crazy it's a real complexity and you know I say to my sisters I wouldn't wish you know single parent on anyone and you know shout out to all the mothers or fathers Absolutely. who are looking after their multiple children yeah. um but it's just not the easiest thing ever um but I, I just I take stock of the fact that my daughter is six she's going to be seven one day she's going to be 17 god willing and soon um I can let her go on about a business Absolutely. and I can do a little bit more focus on mine you know Absolutely. so how did like how how have things panned out being a single mum and trying to go on this creative kind of broadcasting the change with social media and just keeping that balance of everything moving around you but still being a mum you know what I mean and still being at the core of her development and the person that you want her to become you know what I mean like how does that yeah, work of course. well for me I always say I'm Claire before I'm anything else Absolutely. so um, I was Claire before I was a mum. I was somebody's daughter before I was a mum. Uh, I, I had my own dreams and desires, and I still have them. And I really, uh, I really believe that I'd be a good mum to my daughter if I'm the best version of myself. Absolutely. And the best version of myself is me doing what I need to do for me. Yeah. So. So, you know, as a mother, it's very difficult, all of this, um, all of these stereotypes, all of these uh, perceptions about what a good mother should or is. But, um, you you know, I I talk to myself like mad women sometimes. I think to myself, (laughs) look, at the end of the day, as much as we, you know, the majority of us love our parents, love our mothers, are the best people in the world, yada, yada, yada. We've always got an issue. We've always got something that we say, oh, I wish my mum did more of this. I wish my dad wasn't like that in this way. I still love him, though. So I kind of have given myself permission to be um, a bit flawed and uh, recognise that some 
stage my daughter's going to, you know, challenge me and, uh, you know, maybe criticise some of my behaviours or actions or choices. And I've just got to be able to be really authentic and really give her my truth yeah. rather than, you know, cover it over and try and deceive her and that make her, you know, leave her feeling even worse. So It's funny that you touched um, on that, actually. I guess. But, sorry, it's funny that you touched on yeah. that because I actually struggled with that for a long time what my mum didn't do, what my family didn't do, that didn't allow me to then position myself in such a capacity that will allow me to excel. And it's funny that you said that as a young mum. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I always say, I, I have this story that I tell that I remember falling out of love with my mum when I was about 11. Not that I don't love her, but I fell yeah. out of love with the choices that she made and the like some of the reasoning that I was trying to comprehend at that age and it's all because I started to grow into a woman but the choices that my mum made didn't really fit with my principles and my morals that I was like creating for myself you know what I mean and it's, it's I know it's deep, I think right? it happens to, to the best of us I think yeah. So, yeah and it's just something that we when we we don't discuss and there's no guidance. Absolutely. So I am very clear because I had that same experience with my mum. Um, my dad and my mum who were married, I never spoke to my dad and my dad for about seven years. So going home yeah. and seeing, you know, your, your father and just about nodding at each other for seven years was extremely painful. Yeah. Um, and I also recognised where, you know, like at 11, 13 things with my mum were difficult yeah. and working with young people I appreciate that you know your mum's not always going to be you know your biggest role model throughout yeah. life which is why I'm so committed to working with young people yeah. because I want my daughter to look outside of the home because yeah. someday she is going to look outside of the yeah. home I'm not going to be relevant I'm yeah. not going to be cool I'm not yeah. going to know what's really going down on the streets and all the rest of it yeah. but I would like to think that there are positive young people who she can look up to and um, who, who can kind of give her inspiration and guidance when the time comes for the, that interim period where Absolutely. I'm no longer relevant it, it definitely takes a village and um, I I don't have any kids at the moment, but I see a lot of you guys grinding with your kids, still hustling and bustling and just trying to get through it. And, you know, any way that people like us on the outside that are in the community can try, like kind of be a help in some capacity. If we see, you know, one of your children out and about, like, say something, tell them, like, yes, you know what exactly. I mean? Like, and, and I want people to be like that with my children because... That is the only way that you learn. You know what I mean? It really is. I couldn't, listen, I couldn't get home, right? Yeah. <laughs> without somebody having called my mum and said, oh, I saw Claire standing up outside McDonald's <laughs> talking to a boy in a grey taxi. I would be like, what is wrong with This was even before the times of Big Brother. I'm thinking, yeah. this woman has got this thing on a lot. Yeah, it is. It's exactly like that. Um, I love uh, so, hearing, yeah. I love talking to women about their family dynamics and how, you know, that is kind of um, transitioned you into being the woman that you are. How did um, your childhood shape your entrepreneurial kind of journey? Because you're slash entrepreneurial slash worker slash, you know what I mean? So Yeah, so yeah, you're, you're right. You've got to, you know, there's a um, saying in Ghana and um, it's called Sankofa and yeah. that means uh, you've got to look back or yeah. there's a bird and it's looking back on itself. Uh -huh. So um, I often look back and 
now recognize that my um, upbringing was very far from normal and there's no such thing as normal but I had quite an interesting childhood in that I was the second child for my mum, first child for my dad. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know what, you never know what comes out of the bag later on in life, you know what I mean? Yeah, right. but, you know what I mean? But um, my um, older brother was blind, or is, a blind, deaf, dumb, epileptic and diabetic. Wow. And I grew up around disabled children. Yeah. So for me, disability was something normal, yeah. yet I now recognise how it wasn't or isn't still for many people a normal thing especially with um, the black culture like we shy oh, away from that yes now. yeah the stigma attached you know my mum told me how her relationship with my brother's dad ended and I was devastated you know things yeah. like you know she must have cheated or you yeah. know that someone put juju on her yeah, or yeah, yeah. that can't be mine because yeah you know yeah so, yeah. so many traumatic things that she had to go through and um I was called Claire because I came out clear, i.e. no disabilities. So, you know, identity has always been something quite important to me because of my, you know, I knew my mother's story and I know bits and pieces of my dad's story. So after my two siblings came along, my two sisters, who are my best friends, by the way, um, after they came along, I I had quite a lot of responsibility. I was the eldest girl. Um, I I had to, you know, my mum drilled it in my head from the age of five, six you know, when I die, you will have to look after your brother. You have to set the example for your sisters. Mm -hmm. So I was always striving to be the best I could be, not necessarily for myself, but for others around me. Yeah, yeah. And my dad was, oh my gosh, he was (laughs) hardcore. He, my mum would say he was, he's a perpetual student, always learning, always academic, academia that's the way forward books before boys he was so strict so um where I had homework from school I'd always have homework at home and homework at home consisted of doing household things my mum wanted me to be a woman and um my dad and my mum would both make me do extra homework so we had to read the dictionary uh yeah pick 10 to 20 words and it's not just we had to describe what those words were we had to write them down in sentences or write the story proper comprehension mate i used to hate it i thought (laughs) these people are living on another planet we're in england i've got my homework already hated it but actually it really set me up for where I am now and my my eagerness and interest in in learning and understanding and studying and recognizing that there's no end to this yeah Uh, my mum wasn't very academic in that way um she she was just a hustler this woman would sell um she stole which is black pepper she would sell material she would be trading with people jewelry she'd be going to her day job she'd be looking after the four kids and I just thought well this is what you do. You work hard. Yeah, so work hard. I, I kind of adopted that. <laughs> I love the fact that you um, touched on your, your heritage just there. Because um, the way that we grow up, even though we're all black, the way a Ghanaian may raise their children, the way a Nigerian raises, the way a Jamaican raises their children are very, very, very similar. It's just different mm. use of language that actually, you know, creates that small little barrier. But ultimately, we're all raised the same. And I, it just made me think back because I'm dyslexic that my family didn't know anything about dyslexic and I could just imagine if 
God forbid you were dyslexic in your household, that would have been... <laughs> Listen, that, 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 that one didn't even exist, my friend. Exactly. You just had to learn. You just had to study. Nothing What's was dyslexia? <laughs> Are you stupid? Hey, this is just compared some English person has designed to, to make you think it's okay to slow down. Yeah, yeah. They would have been a bit ruthless. But um, I guess with my mum not being um, as academic, she used to say to me all the time, I, never used, uh, I didn't need to go to university to get a degree in common sense. Absolutely. So I had the perfect balance where my dad was so book focused, but you know his social um, awkwardness, awkwardness was yeah. difficult. You know, <laughs> really difficult. difficult vibes, to come in the house. He was just a difficult vibe. <laughs> oh, challenge! He would just growl at them, or you know, make me feel really awkward for having a friend, female or male, in yeah. the house. Whereas my mum was very sociable, very personable, and um, you know. The culture thing is so important to me because as young children, um, my siblings and I grew up in foster care for a short period of time, Um, about two years I did, my youngest sister five years, my brother's been in and out of supported um, accommodation for years. Um, So so we were all separated for a short period of time and I lived in a household where um, I was the youngest black child. Yeah. I had a younger Pakistani brother. Yeah. I had a Jamaican brother. I had two English sisters and an English brother. They were all older than me. So understanding culture, like, it was forced... Yeah, it was forced upon me. I had no choice. You know, I had no choice. It's um, amazing. And, yeah, it is amazing. I recognise now that, you know, it, it was... Um, that was a real gift. Yeah. However, it was very difficult and then of course coming back home was difficult adapting to a really Ghanaian household where I'd just been you know yeah allowed to play in the park free up you know free up myself and and I lived in West London so there was uh, quite a big Caribbean community and everyone thought my mum was Grenadian and her best friend's Grenadian and my mum and her could never understand what they were saying but they'd always bust up and it'd be like (laughs) you know how is this friendship even managing to sustain itself and you know, equally being a fair complexion Ghanaian, that's come with its complexities as well, you know, even family members, you know, looking at me in a certain way or assuming that I think I'm better because, you know, I'm quite fairer, it's just madness. It's the same because I'm Jamaican and fair and it's it's the same dynamic that people automatically assume because you're light that one you're not connected to to your heritage and two you don't understand anything about your culture and on top of it you just think you are way too nice for the world and yeah it's horrible it is and I think sometimes that you know we are the solution but sometimes we are the problem um and, and we allow for others to dictate our narrative or, or, or tell us how things should be when we can create our own yeah. and we have been creating our own in many ways but you know it would be great if we can come together and really you know help each other up and spread as well so that's a good seg- segue into the next um elements that I want to talk to you about um the, the state of the UK environment in terms of creative and creatives and you know being black in broadcasting and how is it changing or is it changing at all um I think it's changing for the better uh slowly very Uh, slowly but but very slowly and you know I'm going to say something that's a bit controversial um you know because I've got to reflect on my own experience there's this um assumption that you know 
you're black, you need to be into urban hip hip hop yeah. hip hop culture yeah. and stuff. And, and you can't be eclectic. Mate, I, I mean, I love Stormzy and that, but don't ask me to sing any of his lyrics. No. It's like, you know, tap the toe, <laughs> nod the head kind of thing. I don't know, you know. I, I can't, I, I've never been that way in class. You know, yeah. I used to be the one that used to stop the tape, write down the lyrics, rewind, play it again. <laughs> right. You know, I could, I, I was a very visual it. learner, yeah. so I had to see it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So there's a slight like, assumption that, You've got to be extreme in all areas to be relevant. Yeah. So I've got to be really extrovert and, you know, really confident in my body and look look at my bum and, yeah, this is my best asset and this is an African asset and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Or I have to be really down and know all my trainers and music. And it's yeah. just like, listen, I'm just your your average person. Um, I'm imperfectly, uh, I'm perfectly imperfect. Yes. And... I do love a bit of academia. I do love, you know, politics to a certain degree, but not to the degree where I'm out there canvassing for labor or anything like that. <laughs> yes. um, but, you know, I'm just interested in a, a range of things. And yeah. I don't need to be an expert in something very specific to be relevant. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Or to, I, I almost feel like sometimes just being a black person you're so assumed all the time like everything is assumed for you that it's kind of like I can understand why the generations beneath us are a little bit confused because they've kind of been told exactly how to be to validate who they are you know what I mean where we've grown up in that era where we understand the struggle but now we're going through this digital age where everything's the most stupidest things become very relevant and very you know what I mean like it's just such a different age now so so, so different so 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 it, different it really is different um I mean the the natural hair debate and discussion is is one that you know illustrates it for me quite well yeah. um you know I'm so glad that we're seeing lots of afro hair on, on the screens and you know people have really embraced it yeah but um, I remember when I shaved all my hair off. Yeah, you know, I, I remember I mean, that. Yeah, listen, people thought, at that time I was actually going through a separation, but people thought I was losing the plot. <laughs> like, is, are you all right, Ken? I'm all right. No, but are you really all right, you know? And as I was embarking um, on a career in journalism, people were like, Claire, if you want to be a presenter, mm, you know, you're niching yourself with, with your Afro hair. And when I told really? people I was going to get locked, yeah, listen, when I told people I was going to get lots, that was it. They were like, Claire, you're going to niche yourself. You're going to make yourself um, unmarketable. Um, you're not going to appeal to a wider audience. Blah, really? blah, 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 blah. And I just thought, you know what? They it, may be right. They yeah, may be right. It's so ignorant. Yes. Like, and I, I'm a firm believer that we're living, of, living in the age of being your best seller. You know what I mean? You're your best yeah. seller. You're your best a manufacturer you're your it's all about how you want to cultivate what you're doing you know what I mean and people like say oh you you know you're boxing yourself in by only doing this or you're boxing yourself in by only doing that I think it's so stupid in a digital age because you literally tomorrow you wanted to start a channel all about locks you could if you wanted to start a channel all about being black in media you could you know what I mean it's it's down to the individual and I think the niches is what's actually making this world go round because otherwise we'll all be on the Zara starter kit with bundles the chicken (laughs) you know what I mean it's like difference is what is like fueling everything that's going on because everybody's looking for their tribe 
yeah, I mean, that is so real and so accurate. I guess the the difficulty comes in when we're looking at finances yeah, and, yeah. you know, the black pound and our economic power, yeah. um, our financial power. And I, and I think that's that's where I have concerns because, you know, for a number of things, it's it's qu- quantity over quality. So how many followers do you have? That's yeah. what makes you relevant or... And and I'm like, listen, bro, people buy followers, yeah? yeah? You know, don't you understand this? And, you know, look at engagement over yeah. um, the yeah. numbers. But the, uh, minds haven't got there yet. Yeah. Or, and I think yeah. several people in positions of power are just, they're so under pressure or lazy even. They're just quick wins. Okay, they look like they've got a lot of followers. That means we can push our product, our figures or make yeah. some money off of their back and yeah. there are a few people like yeah cool mommy i made it <laughs> i think I that also that we're partially oh. to blame for that as well by allowing um brands because i was reading an article actually not long ago that micro influencers are probably much more effective than one major influencer just based Definitely. on the fact that they have better engagement so i feel Definitely. like the brands that are not taking that into consideration are really missing the mark each and every time because 10 micro influencers against one say for instance kim kardashian probably could affect more people just based on the fact that more people are looking for representations that are much more like themselves you know definitely it's just a slower grind yeah, for those is. of us who, who don't buy into that because I mean, let's face it i know how to get more followers i've studied this thing i yeah. can I post a couple of pictures that I know get good responses and I'm consistent with that and that's it. But I'm not that. You know, I don't want to be known for, you know, just one thing. I just want to be known for for being the best version of myself, for doing as I say I'm going to do and that's inform, entertain, inspire. And if I have a positive impact or, you know, can influence and encourage people and it's like a handful of people, I'm good with that, you know. I'm really good with that. I was going to ask you, um, so what, do you see yourself moving, like, what are the areas that you see yourself really moving forward in, like, for the future? Is it more digital? Is it more community-based? Is it more media slash presenting? Like, where do you really see yourself going directionally based on the fact that digital has changed everything so much? Yeah, I mean, I have cast my net pretty wide and I, I'm just pull, pulling the net in and seeing what's in what, what, what catch I've got yeah so for me to prescribe to um something very very specific I know you know with all of these like laws of attraction and yeah. manifestation yeah. um it's like be very specific ask the universe exactly what you want <laughs> and in a way I do um but I no longer prescribe it so I no longer say right it has to be this television program it has to be this amount of views yeah per week you know it's like right this is what I want to do I want to again inform entertain inspire um encourage and influence and have an impact in my community and the international community um these are my skills these are my talents you know god universe you show me what it is ancestors where you at like you know I'm here for a reason I know I'm living in my purpose I was just about to ask me I was just about to ask, do you already feel like you're already living in your purpose? Because I speak to a lot of women, believe it or not, whether they're doing well or not, and a lot of them are not living in their purpose, and that's why they get burnt out. Um, living in purpose, burning out. Uh, I guess... Uh, because they're looking at what everybody else is doing, and because it's getting that traction, they then direct their focus to it. However, it's not really 
them you know what I mean it's not really their purpose so then they swap they change they they shuffle they're unsure and then you know just those little things set in and then you don't know your direction you don't know where you're going because do you know what it is I think I think you know hello can you hear me oh hi uh you've gone off for some reason oh I'm back I'm back I'm back yeah um so for me, for me, time, time is, is, it, it feels like we're in a race against time, time. And, and I think, I think that, that has created um, a number of problems for people, you know, yeah, as a woman, women, you know, you're thinking, thinking about, about yeah. your, your your clock, your ovaries still ticking over, how many eggs you've got, all yeah. the rest of it, and I know that there are ways to, to support yourself now, whether that's, you know, freezing your eggs and so on and so forth, Um We've seen all of these amazing experiences on on the gram, and we want to travel the world all in one year. We want to go to <laughs> yes. 110 destinations because that's what we're seeing on a daily. So, I think you know it's not necessarily that people aren't living in their purpose. I think that people are so focused on the final nice. destination, yeah. and we're all guilty of it. Trust me, girls. Sometimes you know. As I said, happiness is fluid. Sometimes I'm very happy and sometimes I'm very miserable. Yeah. But I know that I'm my own worst enemy. Like I'm, I, I can get into a space where I, I am, you know, dictating what things should be, realizing or not realizing, forgetting that there's a, a, a greater thing happening around me. I, I can't control everything. And actually, if I just go with the flow a bit more rather than, you know, try and surf everything, surf the waves and, you know... <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 hard. It's not easy. Um, and I get support. You know, I've got family, great, 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 great family. Um, and when I find myself in a place of you know self bullying, yeah. I go check in with my counselor. I'm yeah. like, hey, I'm back. It's yeah. me. Um, this this I don't know why I'm here again, but this is going on for me. And you know, now it. it takes only a couple of sessions, and I'm good again. But I, I love I the think, fact that you're open mm. about that because um, a lot of women a lot of people actually feel like counsellors are almost the devil if you want. They are so afraid to go and engage with counsellors or to speak to people about their business because they're afraid of how people may judge them. And I've had counselling before when I had a really, really bad breakup. Like, I felt like my world had shattered. Like, I couldn't step one foot in front of the other because I just lost my whole entire focus at that stage. And it's actually, I like I tell her, she saved my life because she really brought me back mm. because of what I was going through at that time. And it's I, I like the fact that you're open about that because a lot of people aren't. Mate, uh, invest in yourself. I've, I've had counsellors for years. I think my first experience of counselling was... <laughs> at high school and it was a counsellor, a black counsellor called Claire. Yeah. And to be fair, I don't even know why I was going to go see this woman called Claire. Um well, well I do actually I was just bunking class. Yeah. Oh I'm gonna go see the counsellor. That yeah. was a way to get out of class, <laughs> isn't it? And just get a bit of space. But actually looking back at that I realised that I didn't feel like I had space at home. Yeah. And I didn't yeah. feel like I had space at school. Therefore going to the counsellor was just time for me. Yeah. And yeah. You know, maybe that's why I continued. I, I don't know whether that early influence or early experience is yeah. why I continue to go to counselling. But um, I, I find in this very, very busy world and with, you know, my big family and all my commitments and responsibilities, finding time for myself and to really hear myself yes. um, is very important. So it's not what the council says. You know, I've had 
very good counsellors and I've had pretty poor counsellors, but it's about me actually hearing my voice. And even though I journal, like there's something about speaking it and feeling it and allowing the emotions to come out. And mm, yes, it's good for me. And I I would say to everyone, listen, invest in a counsellor because actually your friends want the best for you or your real friends do. And (laughs) sometimes they collude with you. Yeah. No, they simplify sometimes. And, um, That's right. With the best interest yeah. in at heart, heart, but it's not necessarily the most helpful thing. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to ask you, actually, what um, changes would you like to see in women collaborating? And um, you spoke about your, 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 like your family and your friend network, but what about in the, in the creative space? What more would you like to see from people like me and you um like podcasts are becoming a quite a big thing in the UK now so you know we're collaborating in that sense but how about in person how about having those difficult talks and how about we speak about rates and how brands are cheating us and you know things like that so that we can get on an evil playing field with some of these others that are out there yeah I mean I see some really great practice taking place and I would say that I don't actually have a tribe you know I've and I've always kind of been like it I've always dipped in and dipped out of lots of different circles and I I can only relate or or relay that back to my childhood experience where I was in and out of situations and spaces so I get quite claustrophobic and and also the commitment is quite high you know (laughs) Uh, I, I barely have time to see my huge family, let alone be linking up and, you know, just lavishing and lining yeah. with people. But I recognise that that is very, very important. So I guess I am proud of the progress that black women are making, the progress that I'm seeing. Yeah. Um, I have a couple of go-tos who I don't see, but, you know, I can check in with them, you know. And it's not just people in front of the screen. It's people... Yeah behind the scenes and I find those people really really powerful and I've got to shout out like a friend of mine Michelle Awusu um she's so behind the scenes and she's just doing what she's doing but she's having such an a positive you know impact on others and that's not to discredit my friends who are not in the industry per se but um you know there are people in the industry um jennifer uh, um jennifer Ogole morgan who set up you know bang radio back in the day she's very much i don't want to be seen uh, but yeah. doing her thing so i think there needs to be more um uh, not, not that there needs to be more collaboration there needs to be more celebration of the good things that are going on yeah. and I think for myself I do tell myself sometimes Claire, you know don't be so it's not that I'm standoffish but you know it's okay to get involved and yeah. it's okay to let people know that this is what you're like because yeah. I don't think everyone can understand it at times they don't understand why why I'm not if I'm in it I should really be in it yeah. but I'm not really in it like that <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I totally um, can relate actually because I'm not a ty- I'm not the type of person like if I'm in the networking environment I'll network, but if I'm not in the networking environment, I'm a very like back person. Like I don't need to be in the center of anything, or I don't feel like I need to essentially mingle with loads and loads of different people. Like I have my support system, I have my network, and I I never really feel like I have to go above and beyond to meet and greet and stuff like that so I can totally relate to where you're coming from don't get me wrong we're courteous and we can be in an environment where we can do both but we're probably just a bit more introverted just slightly not not a lot but slightly 
Yeah, there's a word for us showing me. It slipped my mind. My dad will say, you didn't read it well. You should have written it down. If you were to die, you would have remembered. Yeah, but there's, you know, I'm very much like that. I, I am an extrovert, but I'm also an introvert. Yeah. I like my own space where, you know, I've got many friends, but hardly any of them come to my house. Yeah. And it's not that they're not welcome, but I think they also recognize it. Well, Claire's in her house. She's in her house, yeah. you know, like, that's me. Doors shut. Um, and, yeah, I think sometimes there is, you know, for some people, you know, everyone's got their individual experience. Some people need that, right? Validation, you know, that's around. Yeah, that's that's space. right. That's yeah. right. Um, but there are a few like us, Remy. Um, you know, another <laughs> woman that I got a shout out, um, Corinne Allen. She is doing her thing, and it's it's we're not always people don't always understand us, so yeah. they don't necessarily want to not invest. I don't even know whether that's the word. They admire us from the distance. Yeah. But they don't necessarily want to invite us to the party. Well, actually, um, the reason why I even reached out to you, well, one of the reasons I should say, I always wanted to sit and podcast with you, actually. But I'm, oh, you know, I'm running an accountability program and you were actually one of the most inspiring people that one of my clients wrote down. And I was oh, thinking, wow. I know. And I thought that, oh, my God, that like Claire is accessible to me. Let me reach out to Claire and get some of Claire's thoughts so that I can relay this back to somebody in my program. That's probably going to benefit from me and you mashing it up together. And it's probably wow. going to help that person in such a way because they really get to understand who you are that they can't see through an Instagram post or a picture, you know what I mean? And that's it's really remarkable that you say that um, because, you know, sometimes because I'm just doing what I'm doing, yeah. uh, you, you know, markers of success, you know, sometimes need to be pointed out to me. So the fact that somebody is, you know, recognised me as, you know, someone that they hold in high regard is, is really quite humbling because people don't tell me these things. <laughs> I don't I don't know. You know, it's my sisters who are always like, oh, so proud of you, yeah. keep going, and yeah. blah, blah, and, you know, so it's really nice to get feedback, because nice. um, I'm just doing what I'm doing, yeah. but, you know, it'd be nice to know that... <laughs> it's, it's, not in vain. it's not in vain, you know, because that's the thing, people think, like, people like us don't need it, because we're yeah, doing exactly. our thing and we're just getting on with it, you know what I mean, but, no, it's absolutely, when I saw that, I was like, go Claire, go Claire, you know what I mean, because I was like, it's a win, you know what I mean? Definitely, definitely. I, I know whoever that is, um, sending my love right back to them. So yeah, yeah. I can't um, say her name because it's private and confidential, but um, I'll course. definitely give um, send her over the link so that she can have a listen and just let and she can now know that you know just by saying something like that can help and uplift and keep you pushing in the right direction. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and and at the moment, I'm just casting my net even wider. So. One of my biggest things is, um, you know, not, I really shouldn't say building a bridge because there's bridges already there, but, yeah. you know, really strengthening my connection yeah. um, between the diaspora, the wider diaspora. So, you know, I, I love the fusion of um, Africa and the Caribbean. I love the fusion of, you know, black Americans yeah. and, you know, all of us you mishmashing together rather than it be very silo things that, right, I'm English and this is what I bring. Yeah. and I'm American, this is what I bring in. I'm from Ghana, this is what I bring I like, for me, <clears throat> excuse me, um, Afrobeat and soca music is just doing it for me at yeah. the moment. It's, it's embodying everything that I I want as a black woman, yeah. you know. Um, that was actually my next question. It was, um, what about Ghana? Like, will you connect back to Ghana more? Are you trying to connect back to Ghana more? How... 
has being Ghanaian really shaped your vision now as somebody with knowledge, as somebody with wisdom of Africa? How how have things changed for you? Um, I love Ghana. I've been going to Ghana every two years since I was like 11 years old. Yeah. And um, I love it. Uh, I speak one of the languages with an English accent, so I speak, sound like a French person speaking English, but it's all good. Um, I, I, I could go back, but I can't see myself there at this moment in time. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm not sure why. I'm not, well, of course I'm sure why. I know why. It's my daughter. My daughter's here. Her, her dad is here. So I, I'm here for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when she's older, though, I would definitely be looking at um, branching out to Ghana. But I want to be traveling between Africa and the Caribbean. That's yeah. that's my thing. Africa yeah. and the Caribbean, just like back and forth, back and forth, back and yeah. forth. You know, I've been to Ghana several times, but um, I've also been to Barbados. I love Trinidad. I love yeah. Tobago. Um, been to Jamaica. And I just... I, I just feel at home in, in both, you know, yeah, it's, it's the sun. I, I, even though I was born and raised it's in the UK, sun. something about the melanin just yeah. needs the warmth, needs yeah. the sun, needs the natural food. Um, my, my bowels do so much better when I'm over there, CMI, <laughs> but it's so true, you know. No, I, I, I totally can um, relate, actually. And it's funny because um, while social media has a lot of noise, I've actually gained a lot of insight into our people you know what I mean like the people the the feel of Africa um I've only dated Africans as far back as I can remember and yeah since I was young Caribbean people dating African people that was like why are you always dating Africans and it you know what I mean just just the closeness of being who we are as a collective and I, I think that's really 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 important yeah, I mean, social media, digital media has definitely given us our, um, a platform to tell our own stories. Yeah. Um, I just want the investment to follow, you know, that's, that's, you know, it's great that we are telling our stories, but shit, we need to get paid for yeah. telling our stories. Absolutely. I mean, not, not that that's our, that's, that's not the reason why we're telling our stories, but it's just like, we need investment from somewhere. Yeah. I almost feel like I I was um, reading an article recently about um, uh, the Bill Gates and Melinda, that's her name, Melinda Foundation that have um, pledged 73 million to eradicate polio from Nigeria. And I was Mm. thinking between all those billionaires, millionaires in Nigeria, why do you need external investment from Bill, (laughs) Bill Gates to invest in something that you guys between probably five of you could kill you know what I mean it's just like are we always looking for external investment and that's why we're having the problems that we have and not having that conversation between us so that we can understand what we need to excel as black people from our black heritage if that makes sense you know what I mean I do know what you mean but um this is where like sometimes I hate the media because there are some people some introverts real introverts african investors who are doing the damn thing but they're just not they're not sensational they're not glossy they're not entertainment so nobody talks about them so a lot of work is already being done it's just are journalists actually telling those stories in the way that we need to hear them are we ready to read them are we looking for those stories you know uh the young empire on um Instagram is one of my favourite pages, um, and shout out the woman behind that. I don't know whether she actually likes people to know that she done it, but 
just the stories that she's managed to sieve and yeah. you know shake up that's yeah. what we need to be reading but instead I think we're too busy looking at you know some of the sensational headlines you know being paid for um by certain part of the community who seem to be in the position of power to shape the way that we think yeah. it's like mm, you know and, and actually yes I do want Bill Gates' money in there as well because we, all now, no one ain't no, had no reparation. So, yeah, come on, send something through, you know, support the cause. I'm happy for that. I'm not going to say no to your money. No, come on. Let's let's put it in the pot together and make things happen. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm neither for or against um, invest, external investment, but I definitely feel that in order for the water to run fluidly we need to also invest back in ourselves because when people see that we'll take the hit for ourselves then people are more likely to invest when I was looking for like sponsorship and stuff or when I was doing like events and things like that it's once somebody else jumps on ship that everybody follows for some reason you know what I mean so I, I feel like if you know, major investors from Africa are really interested in investing into the next generations, then somebody just needs to shout about it so that other people can see because that's how we're getting our news. We're getting it in short little sound bites and that's the only way we can follow and see what's going on, you know what I mean? So yeah. if somebody yeah. wants to take the leap of faith and just shout about it and then others can follow suit. Mm, I do have faith that, you know, things are are improving and they will continue to improve but you know life is about contrast you know as you've got day you've got night as you've got black you've got white as you've got um happy you've got sad and I think um we've got to embrace the good with the bads and recognize that even if we have you know a shift somewhere else we're going to have a shift there's some difficulties to deal with in another area that's just how life works and I think you know it's it's a dream to think that everything's just going to be smooth and positive and go in the right direction yeah. but it's it's never been that way no. you know you look at the bible it's never been that way you look at you know our history and you know it's never been that way i yeah. don't think that is what life's about it's about how we cope and how we build our character to endure the good and the bad yeah. um i just got um two more questions i wanted to ask you mm-hmm one is who inspires you um in 2000 and 2000 since the 2000s i should say or just overall i guess and three books that people must read um who inspires me that's a real tricky question because are we talking about uh in in the in the field that I want to be working in just or in life who who is like your inspiration since you've been an adult since you've been working in this space who is somebody or it could be two people that like really get you going and make you think you know what this is all possible because when I look at that person I know mm. <sighs> wow so many um I absolutely love Tracy Ellis Ross oh, I um oh I adore the woman um I can't wait for us to to, to to chink our glasses together, it's going to happen. When it's going to happen. <laughs> um, uh, who else inspires me? Um, Jennifer Lewis inspires me, and mm-hmm. and this, these are women, but there are also several men who inspire yeah. me, and they're not necessarily um, out there as massively massive headliners. But you know, um, David McQueen, uh, uh, Steve White, they're authors. 
as well. Yeah. Um, oh, T.D. Jakes. Yes. Uh, Sarah Torre, Sarah Torre, uh, and you said one. Geez, sorry, <laughs> Remy. Uh, you should have given me this in advance so I could really right, do like a, a needs analysis. <laughs> no, I, you know why? I, th- I think it's important because um, sometimes I speak to people and they're like, oh, I don't really have an inspiration, but I don't think you're supposed to have an inspiration. You're mm. supposed to have a plethora of like people that get you going you know what I mean so there was obviously no wrong or right answer to finding out who inspires you but it's nice to know because some of those people in there are British as well yeah okay so um you know you, you I'll go on to the next one because you asked me which books people should read and um I've got to shout out someone who I connected with online yeah. you know um her name is Marielle Laguerre and she's British and she's living in New York she's my next podcast Oh, wow. She's amazing. She really is amazing. And when I say that we've just connected, like I never knew this woman from anywhere. And um, we've just vibes. We don't talk all the time or anything like that. But she's written a book called The Personal Brand Bible for Ambitious Women. Um, Yeah, she is amazing. Um, Another book that I love, and it's an old school book, and it might seem a bit random, but I think it's very good for black people to understand where they are in this in this world. And it's Mallory Blackman's Noughts and Crosses. I've got Noughts and Crosses, actually. I don't think I've oh, got it, though, but I've got it. Babes. Like, I've got a bookshelf still. I know everyone's about the Kindle life and stuff. No, but I'm a book girl. <laughs> I need, yeah, I need my daughter to read this book, especially as she's, you know, of mixed heritage. Yeah. You know, I really want her to understand um, the world she lives in. So I would recommend that as a second book. And my boyfriend would tell me off for not saying the Bible, but I'm not going to say it. So sorry, book friends. <laughs> sorry, babe. Um, I, I do also love The Love Manual by Steve White. And I say that it's a very accessible book and um, it looks at relationships, but very importantly, looking at the relationship that you have with yourself. Yes. Like, you want to be loved and you better love yourself first, babe. Yeah. You know, so... Yeah, there's those three books for now. I, I recommend loads of books because I've got a shelf, but yeah, those for now. I love it. Claire, I've so enjoyed talking to you. It's just so refreshing sometimes just talking to somebody that's just, you know, just gets it. I love it. Oh, I really appreciate it. And I'm humbled that you've got me on this podcast and seen me as worthy to share my story. So I appreciate that. Oh, no, Thank I you. I love it. Um, we're definitely trying to grow and we're just definitely trying to tap into the women that are on the ground and don't have hundreds of thousands of followers but still doing absolutely important work and I really really appreciate the work that you're doing well I appreciate what you're doing so stay rising babe stay rising (laughs) thank you very much and that's it see you on the other side